0: Juliet, Dogcast Radio. If you like dogs, wherever you are in the world, we're the show for you. Hello, and welcome to episode 258 of Dogcast Radio, which, among other things, celebrates mutts.
1: They're unexpected. You don't know, you know, what genes are going to express. You often don't know who the parents were. My dog is gorgeous my mutt that I have and everywhere I go with him people ask me what kind of dog he is and they're surprised that he's a mutt.
0: Before that we have someone, three someones in fact, I'm very excited to introduce, whose videos many of us watched, loved and shared to each other during and since lockdown. If you're a fan of Olive and Mabel and who doesn't love those Labradors and the films their human Andrew Cotter makes with them, you're in for a treat. And if you aren't already a fan, prepare to grow to love them and to spend a lot of time watching cute, quirky videos. And once you've seen the film, or videos, you can read the book. Because Andrew has written a book, Dog Days, Life in Lockdown with Olive and Mabel, which is a behind-the-scenes look at his loyal dog companions, Olive and Mabel, from the highs and lows in lockdown and their rise to internet stardom. So without further ado, I am delighted to be talking to Andrew, Olive and Mabel.
2: Hello. Well, you might be talking to them. They're talking at the moment through. uh, Yeah, it's a a visual medium, this, uh, but um, unfortunately it's not because Mabel's just looking straight at me as I stroke her chin. So um, she's communicating through wagging her tail and just staring at me. But that is how she does most of her communication. Yeah,
0: yeah. Very powerful communication. The best Mm. communication. Some
2: best communication. All of just staring at me saying I want stuff. (laughs) I don't know what that stuff is, but I know I want stuff.
0: Yes, and you have that stuff.
2: Yeah, you have that stuff and you're not giving me that stuff at the moment, which I find odd and I'm, I'm disappointed by your attitude.
0: Yes, yes. Why would you do that? Hmm. So many of us love your videos and your dogs. That's you hmm. know, they're, they're, They've become stars now. Take us back, though, to bef- just before, well, before Covid. Before
2: Covid. What a time that was to be.
0: <laughs> we didn't appreciate it, did what we? What
2: a time. <laughs> Those days now.
0: I know I know I just I didn't appreciate so much that was was a privilege it turns out but there you go so but your life was very busy and you're commentating on, on sport and 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 very busy then covid hits lockdown hits changed it all how lucky were you I mean did you realize how lucky you were to have the dogs with you
2: yeah well yes i mean i think where anyone with dogs was um a, you know fortunate because they were a sort of crutch throughout all that time because everything was thrown into confusion and chaos and then what dogs offered is that bit of normality and continuity and you know, it, it was an awful time for a lot of people in uh, so many ways. So um, Mabel's just pulled the power uh, cord out of the laptop by lying down. So um, we may, this this may just, uh, I've got 58% battery. Just telling Mabel I've got 58%, Mabel I've got 58% battery, so you're fine. What you just did there was fine. Um Yeah, it was... It was <laughs> We yeah. are. No, it was just, it was, it was, it was an awful time, wasn't it? I mean, yes. well, yeah. <laughs> the awful times continue in many other ways, but it was a very, very strange time Yeah. in particular. I, I think that, and that strangeness is really, really unsettling. And so then to have the normality of just being able to talk to your dog, walk your dog, stroke your dog, you know, they just carry on unaware of anything that's going on. And so they present that little bit of normality and continuity in a, in our lives. And that's what Olive and Mabel did for me. Obviously, you know, I made something else happen with them that was far from normal. But, you know, for the rest of the time, when I wasn't making odd videos with them, they were our dogs, you know, and and, and offering all that they do just in that respect.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think they, they just saved a lot of people's sanity in a way, because as you say, it was a, a mad time and, and- We'd never known anything like it. And the dogs obviously hadn't got a clue the, what was behind it all. They knew we were with them a lot more. And they just, our little mischief just made me smile and just kept me saying so many things.
2: Yeah. yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, they're very, very necessary. I think a lot of people found out just how necessary dogs were because in, in normal times, they just uh, plod along and we love them. And uh, But then they, they really uh, stepped up into the role as morale officers and uh, they didn't know what they were doing or how they were doing it but they were doing it you know and then a lot of people decided to get dogs because of uh because we were locked down and obviously there um there's very sort of negative uh side of that in terms of people not really realizing what they were getting into and um i'm sure people sold dogs who weren't fit to sell dogs and some people got dogs who weren't really fit to have Dogs, which is a shame, but lots of people I know um began the dog um owning journey or dog being owned journey during that time and they love their dogs and their dogs love them. So um yeah. Dogs dogs ruled. It was when dogs came to power.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs>
2: yeah, the era of the dogs.
0: <laughs> definitely, definitely. So obviously you you weren't working. You didn't have that creative outlet. No, so at- when did you realize you were doing sort of play by plays with the, with the dogs
2: uh yeah i mean it, it started for just a, a simple reason of boredom or <laughs> it, but, but also you know as, as what i said in the tweet i was bored but um it was we had lots of time in our hands but also you recognized that everybody was focused on the internet and on social media yeah. the, the numbers the traffic going through social media at that time was just vast. Um, you know, I'd love to know how many people were logging onto to Twitter or, or Facebook or Instagram or whatever it might be during that time compared to now when normal life or semi-normal life has returned. You know, that's how we were getting an entertainment. And if you capture this sort of feeling of the moment, the zeitgeist, then by doing something that is absurd and, you know, hey, I've got nothing else to do except for commentate on my dogs, then I mean, I'm overanalyzing it here, but it's it's fairly obvious why it took off. I mean, hopefully, it was quite funny as well. The first one and the you know second one just carry on doing it, but it was just getting picked up and passed around, and you realize that uh, you know videos get passed around, retweeted hundreds of thousands of times, uh, but but they also uh, get passed around in WhatsApp groups and Facebook, which I don't do. Um, but so I, I very quickly realized that they were. Going out a long, long way into the world, and that so many people were seeing them um it yeah it was very, very odd indeed, but quite you know good fun as well and and um in a- in a strange way, and that everything was strange at that yeah. time, but it was just it was quite enjoyable it was it was keeping my mind occupied at a time point, as you say, I had no work to occupy myself, so um distracted me from the fact that I was uh, earning no money at the time. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, and still had dogs to feed. Um, I mean,
2: exactly. Like- so they didn't. Yeah, they, exactly. It became a very unbalanced um, uh, relationship, whereby <laughs> usually um, there's um, something coming in to pay for the dog food, but it was just them eating vast quantities and saying, "Where's the next bag of food?" And yeah. You know,
0: Yes. As I, I would, That was very much my experience of uh, lockdown. Where's, where's my next bag of food? Give me more. Yeah.
2: Yes, exactly. We were all searching for our next bag of food as freelancers. You know, that's yes. what we were all uh, looking for. And I, I didn't get a, a bag of food from the government and any furlough scheme. So... It was trying to find, uh, bags of food another way. We'll just continue this metaphor for <laughs> as long as we can. Yes. But, um, yeah, it was, but it was never started as a, and it was never intended to be any sort of venture or alternative career. It was genuinely just messing about on the internet and making videos and trying to entertain myself and then finding that it was entertaining other people. And so carrying on doing it, it and it never, and, and so much of it for me has been about trying to maintain the innocence and the fun and the silliness of it without attaching it to anything commercial that we've done books um a couple of books and we did a stage tour but the number of commercial offers that came in to do stuff with olive and Mabel and the number of times I was asked to do joke commentary for advertisements and various things but I didn't want to do any of that because it didn't it didn't feel right to me so it was um i hopefully i i I liked making the videos, and you know I might make it more in the future. I don't know, but I what I've always enjoyed doing is if I come up with an idea that makes me sort of think, oh like yeah, that I could see that working, and then trying to make it happen. That's the the enjoyment of it. And if other people enjoy it, then then great. But um, it was never right. I've got to get a video out, like on YouTube, for example. Now. If I put a um you know I could be hammering videos out every other day and making it a career because it's on a monetized channel now but I won't put out anything that I don't think is 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 good enough or you know there are I think there are about twenty five olive and mobile videos but every one of them i you know and especially the ones that have taken a bit of creativity and quite a bit of production. You know, I've put a lot of effort into mm-hmm. them mm-hmm. and I didn't want to just do a video every day, which is just, oh, here are Olive and Mabel. Say hello, girls. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, we're going to go into the shops today and um, and that'll be nice, won't it? And then run out of uh, things to say and then just log off. So I think some people might actually quite like that. But, um, but you know, I wanted to make them little uh, productions and actually something that had a sort of quality to them.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I. Yeah, obviously. I mean, and that comes across, and and obviously, you, you were saying they were shared hundreds and thousands of times. Something like eighty-seven million people.
2: Yeah, I, I did. I did. I, I did I, I add up. Um, I had to add up all the views for um, somebody wanted it for. If you add up all the views on Instagram, Twitter, and uh, and YouTube, then it's getting close to a hundred million now. Wow. So it's mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's very. It's it's. I mean, obviously, it 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 fades away a little bit because it was it was very much of its moment and when people talk to me now they say oh your dogs in lockdown were just fantastic because that is the key time for yeah. that's when most people saw them but then I put out a video where Mabel was having a strange dream about being in a sort of US style detective show um back in May and you know lots of people say oh I had not seen that one but then it has had a million views on Twitter so there is still if you do something that's good enough hopefully there's still an appetite for it but um if you haven't seen that one, check it out. Hey, check it out, kids.
0: <laughs> definitely, definitely. Do, do you think that Labrador owners are sort of a little bit extra playful? Because, I mean, as a, a former Labrador <laughs> owner, I, I think there's a special Labrador's are, I think they're wonderful, but they're very in your face, loving, want some attention. Let's do something. Dogs, you know, they're not sort of a dog. You're not, you are, a, you have to be a dog person. You can't just be someone who happens to have a dog. With a
2: yeah yeah I, I think Labradors are the i don't know I would say maybe the Labradors people who get Labradors I don't know, we can't generalize on it <laughs> i I am not i mean Labradors to me are the the most optimistic, happy dogs in the world. Um, so maybe people who get Labradors, in, in well, certainly in my case, it's because they are the yin to my yang. They are the the optimist to my sort of pessimistic outlook yes. on the on the world. So I need them. I need that jollity that Labradors bring. Um, although all of sometimes, I mean, she's a very very happy dog, but sometimes she can be a little bit judgmental about the world <laughs> as well. So um, I I you know I don't want uh, an animal that's uh, going to be as morose as I am. So um, yeah, I think I need a little bit of Labrador in my life. <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah, I think so. I I totally agree with you. And and you can't you can't help but smile with a Labrador. I, I do love. I'm very biased towards Labradors. How mm. do you think? How do you think the girls have coped with the attention?
2: Uh, I think they've they've uh, they've enjoyed it. They certainly enjoyed it when we were uh, doing our stage tour. And actually, we did a boot festival just the other day in, in mm. Wigtown Boot Festival. Festival. There were you know four hundred, four hundred fifty people there, and. They just wander around, um, getting clapped on the back, and generally, I think they think that this is perfectly normal—that they should get all this <laughs> acclaim just for being good dogs, just for wandering around. Um, so Olive takes in her stride. Mabel's a little bit. Mabel's a slightly more, um, a slightly more tense dog. Anyway, she's slightly worried about the world and again she's not alone in that at the moment but she has um she has a a, a slight slightly more of a sort of edginess to her not this is all relative just for a labrador she's not edgy mm. at all but she's not quite as uh laid back and relaxed as olive who will take absolutely everything in her stride mabel will but only after a while um of uh getting to know a few people in the audience but then she's just anybody's for a for a light touch upon her upon her soft and probably empty domed head um <laughs> Yeah, she's, um, she's, she's staring at me just now. They're both staring at me. I don't know what they think is going to, well, I do know what they think is going to happen. This is usually the time where I would take them up, up the lane just for a little stroll of an evening. And, uh, it's going to, it's going to happen in the dark tonight because, uh, because we're having our chat. So you'll just have to wait. So.
0: (laughs) Oh, do apologise to them for Yeah,
2: I've apologised on your behalf.
0: (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Oh, bless them. Yeah, I do, I my, my Labrador buddy was, um, uh, an education dog for, for the Blue Cross and went to Crufts on the Blue Cross sta- stand. And he was great for that because he would just meet people. And if it was a group of people, he'd sort of snake around them. And if it was one person, he'd lie down and have his tummy tickled. But then mm. I think he thought he was there to meet every single person at Crufts, not just the ones who came to the stand. So getting back to the press room could be a bit of a, a challenge because he'd yes. still be on, you know. <laughs>
2: Yes, I'm. I'm. I'm taking a video of my dog staring at me as as we chat here. So, um, because it really is quite intense, i just. I feel under a lot of pressure here. So, um, Mabel's got her small squeaky Christmas pudding, which you can see in the video, and um, I've got my microphone, and Olive's just got a look of. Um, I don't know. What, look of. There's a look of desire for something. Well, what? What do you want? When I say that, you cock your head. I don't know what's going on there. What do you want? Oh.
0: <laughs> something.
2: Something good. <laughs> anyway, so yes, there we are. That's that's 40 seconds of video. You're standing up now. You mean business. Mm? Okay, Excellent. Okay, there we are. Excellent. I'm going to stop this video now and continue the chat. Yeah. Well,
0: you see, there are, I think they're aware this is this channel isn't just about people. This is about dogs. This is the, the crux of the matter. We're here for the dogs, you know? And that's, yeah. I think We're all here
2: good. for the dogs, aren't we? We're <laughs> <Yes>. all <here. laughs> Yeah. absolutely absolutely oh. all of you are drooling slightly what's going on there <laughs> anyway sorry i'm just
0: oh bless them yeah oh it's i it, they're, they're being very very good there do,
2: do... yeah they are but they're they're being quite impatient at the moment i don't know what they think is going to happen here but um oh. it will happen we'll go out don't worry just just calm down just wait a while because <laughs> they can't see any other person here they just see me sitting on my own of talking course. yes i mean they're going what i mean um our, uh, our human assistant, one of them, has finally just got tipped over the edge. He's just sitting in a corner of a room talking to himself.
0: Dad's lost it. Oh, dear. Mm. Yes. Oh, dear. Do you, sorry, saying that, saying dad, do you, do you refer to yourself as dad? No,
2: no, no, okay. never. I didn't leap in there and say no, no. but I'm um, no. No, absolutely not. No, I no. realised you said human assistant and I went to dad. Human assistant, yeah, went to dad. Neither are they my fur babies in any way. So, although yeah. um, well, you do have, I think when you don't have children and you do have dogs, you do have sort of, you do project some of your otherwise parental feelings onto them in terms of protective, uh, you know, just you feel mm. very protective towards them. And, uh, but um, I mean, I don't hope for, uh, you know, that they're going to perform well at school and go to a good <laughs> university. I don't, and certainly in Mabel's, um, Mabel's case of, Probably get no hope of that anyway. I think Olive could probably get into I don't know the University of East yeah. Anglia or something. Like yeah, that. Say, so, one
0: one of the lesser ones.
2: <laughs> well, that's a sorry. good. That's actually a good university. Oh, is I know, it? I'm sorry you're listening in well, Norfolk. I no, do no I'm, 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 I do I don't know. I, I, uh, I don't know if it is or not. I think it is actually. I think it is good. <laughs> anyway, oh. if anybody from the University of East Anglia is listening, it's a good school. As it they is. Say.
0: It is. I misspoke. I, I haven't got a clue. So I, I have no no awareness of. <laughs> But I will look it up. I will look it up. Um, Do you have a um, favourite play-by-play that you've? Sorry,
2: uh, Sorry. uh, one of the dogs has just microphone cable now as well, and taken it out. You can see me again. (laughs) Yes, you can hear me again. Yeah, I can. I can. (laughs) <laughs> sorry, what was the question?
0: Okay, sorry, okay, we okay. go. Um do you have a favourite play by play that you
2: filmed with them? I thought I'd say do you have a favourite dog? That oh, question no. does get asked. Does um,
0: it? Oh, I yeah. would never ask that.
2: No, no, I don't. I don't have a favourite of either of no. them. They're just they're both different, but yeah. um love them both beyond compare. A uh, favourite video of of the commentary ones? Yes, yeah. Um Yeah, I, um I'm gonna I'm gonna be controversial here and mm. say that um the commentary ones were never my favourite videos. My mm. favourite ones were, were when I stopped doing the commentary and moved into doing, up, doing little, um, you know, uh, sketches with them almost. You know, that that change happened when I made the Zoom meeting one with yes, them. And sort of
0: that's very good. You know, it
2: moved on from from there into, you know, the online dating one I enjoyed. I enjoyed the Perfume Parody one. Um, um, mm. I really enjoyed making the, the, the recent one where Mabel's having a dream... Um, uh, but that one took a long, long time to make and that was the most heavy production. Although one I'd made, which was a sort of mini mockumentary behind the scenes, that that took quite a bit of work as well. But they were more difficult to make than the commentaries. The commentaries were, dare I say, quite quite easy to do because it happened and you commentate on it and that's and that's it. Um, and I understand why people loved those ones at the time, but to me, they, they weren't the more enjoyable ones to to do the, the much more enjoyable ones were the ones where I come up with an idea, you know, where you know Olive and Mabel are building flat pack furniture, or or you know it's Halloween, or you know doing the online dating, or whatever it might be, playing poker, joining a home gym, all that stuff. I I enjoyed that uh, a lot more than I did the commentary ones, but I understand the commentary ones are the ones that you know just really took off because of what they were and and, and when they were
0: yeah yeah do you do you think the ones with where you're sort of requiring them to do something as you say you're not just commentating on what they're doing um do you think that's enrichment for them do you think that's sort of you know dogs like to ha- have a job don't they to have something to
2: they do. like stimulation yeah they de- oh. definitely like to be challenged. but i'm not sure i mean, i think sometimes they do because um you know sometimes a treat would be involved in filming mm-hmm. and uh, they, they would quite uh they would quite enjoy that but uh, I think uh, sometimes I'd be filming something and it was getting a bit frustrating because they weren't doing you know, what I hoped they might do. And then you just have to stop and say, this is ridiculous. I'm getting frustrated at dogs being dogs. So um, I would yeah. I would abandon the idea entirely. So lots of stuff hit the cutting room floor. Um, but if they were enjoying... I mean, for example, in that recent one that I'm talking about... Oh, actually, one other one which I really enjoyed was when we were up in the mountains. Obviously, that was, uh, was very enjoyable. But um, when we were making that recent one... Uh, with you know, I was and I was and I was filming Mabel, you know, with a police badge around her neck, and she was galloping through the streets of various cities. Actually, it was filmed in, you know, she was enjoying herself because I'd be telling her to stay, and then you know, then run to me, and you know, she enjoyed that. So yeah, as long as they're happy, I would hate to, yeah, I would never have put them in a situation where they were feeling stressed about the filming um, of what we're doing. Um, and when I was asked to do. It, you know, quite early on, asked to make them into bigger productions. At one point, I, I was I was thinking, well, one of the reasons I don't want to do that is because that would involve them getting quite stressed, and yes. it's got to be yeah. above all, it's got to be quite good fun um, yeah. for all of us to to do. So, um, yeah, it's, so th- that's yeah.
0: lovely to hear. I, that's that's wonderful because one of the things that worries me about sort of Instagram and social media is that people.
2: I don't get. I know, I know exactly what you're going to say, and I and I I I see a lot of it, and I I I don't like a lot of the stuff that I see because I get because I've done so much dog stuff on on social media. I obviously get recommended lots of accounts that are look at this, this is funny, and I see it as I don't think that you know I don't think it's no. I I can't really criticize because I'm you know I'm making them play poker, which is not a natural situation for a dog to be in. But I know that they were quite enjoying it again. because, But I I see quite a lot of it that dogs are there and they have their own accounts and it's there purely for It's just the dogs, they've almost been bought for entertainment Mm. and it's dressed up or put in a situation where if a dog's enjoying themselves, then that's entirely different. But sometimes it's a, a more than contrived situation, but also a contrived situation where I think the dog is not necessarily... Um, not necessarily happy about uh, about things, and uh, yeah, sometimes I see accounts that I don't. Um, you know, I think mm. this is more for the owner's benefit than from the dog for the dog's benefit. Yeah, yeah,
0: and you know, I can I can empathise, I can understand. It. It's easy easy to get sucked down that
2: that road. Oh, it is. Yeah, no, it yeah. is. It's yeah, absolutely because. You know, when um, people have their dogs and their dogs are adorable to them, they will then want to put them out on social media and that's absolutely fine. But sometimes it just, I think sometimes there are accounts that just, um, it's done in a slightly more mercenary way mm. um, and it's a slightly more obvious thing and it's it's really going for a more commercial aspect mm-hmm. to it as well, which um, which is, you know, we're going back to the days of the circus there. <laughs> i yes. not sure. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yes. so as long as, um, yeah... That's right. Yeah. As long as Olive and Mabel are happy, I would be happy to film. Otherwise, I wouldn't do it.
0: Yeah, yeah. And that's ex- I, I'm in total agreement with you. That's absolutely the the way to go. I but I believe. Well, I
2: mean, some of the most uh, some of the most enjoyed videos have been ones where you know I was just running on the beach with them, or we were up in the mountains, and the dogs are clearly having a great time. Yeah. Um. So I don't want. I, I would never want to go down that that line of um. You know, people say, "Oh, you put a put a wig in your dog, or have you put them in a t-shirt?" Um, no, I'm not, I'm no. not no. going to do that. You see the little ears go down, and they're going, "I don't, yeah. don't, I'm not entirely comfortable with this."
0: Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. What? How? Um, how have your colleagues in the sports world reacted? Have you have they been positive or? <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, pretty positive. I mean, that was think it's quite strange, but they've always thought I was quite strange anyway. <laughs> And now they're just, they just make barking noises when I approach and I'm just the dog guy, but no, I've always, I mean, I'm still, there's so much sports broadcasting has come back and I'm still the person who broadcasts in sports. And I think, you know, they, they go a little bit um, tired of my dog status, not not in a negative way, just, yeah, yeah, I've yeah, done the, the dog thing. I get it. So let's go back and we need to do this, uh, this rugby commentary. So concentrate, <laughs> Andrew, rather than sort of uh, thinking about dog videos. So, um, no, I think I think a lot of them enjoyed it as well. Um, mm-hmm. You know, during during a strange time. So um, yes, everyone's been absolutely fine with it. Just, but that's what I am now—the dog man.
0: <laughs> there are worse things to be.
2: <laughs> well, far worse things to be. I'm quite happy with that. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah
2: I don't want to be. You don't want to be considered the mad old dog man. but dog man's fine. <laughs> yeah. Here's the mad old dog man who owns seventeen. Um, 17- Seventeen <laughs> Shetland Sheepdogs.
0: <laughs> oh gosh, you'd have your hands, your hands full there. Yes. You've you mentioned sort of the pandemic puppies. You know the, the way that everybody needed a dog suddenly, and then it was, you know, it got to a, a level of exploitation for for some for some dogs. Um, yeah. How did Olive and Mabel come into your life?
2: Uh, well, Olive came first, four years ahead of Mabel, and um, she came because we had moved out of London, mm. and we had. Uh, a bit more time. My partner, Caroline, went um, part-time with her job. So we had time. We had a bit more space. We had, it was just, it was, you know, I wouldn't, I didn't want to have, we couldn't have had a dog in London. And I'm not sure I would have wanted to have a dog in London anyway. I mean, lots of dogs have lovely lives in London, of course. But, um, you know, I just feel that, um, you know, walking a dog in the countryside is just a little bit more enjoyable for them or on the beach. And so that that was it. It was just um, down to, um, do research on a good Labrador breeder. Get your hip scores and your elbow scores um, assessed. And uh, and we went down to a breeder in Devon. They both came from the same breeder. So um, yeah, Olive first, and then uh, as I said, Mabel four years later. Excellent,
0: excellent. That's lovely that you mentioned the health health tests. Brilliant. <laughs> Perfectly <Yeah>. saying All <laughs> the right things.
2: <laughs> yeah, no. I was, well, it's one thing about Labradors; they're generally quite a healthy. quite a healthy breed, but they do have can get some. You know, hip displaces and elbow problems. So um, they, they've both got pretty good scores on that count.
0: Yeah, yeah. And as with a lot of uh, popular breeds, you know, the demand is there, so the supply become you know becomes established. But yeah. so you need to make sure you're buying from, you know, if you're going to buy, you buy from a, a, a reputable breed. Yeah. There for the and love I, of the dogs. And I, and if you rescue, it's got to be a rescue that's doing it and, for the love of the dogs. I
2: know, exactly. It's, uh, it, it, is, it is difficult. There is a minefield there because, you know... It, prices of dogs went up so much and I think they've pretty much stayed uh, yeah. so high that, that then the horrible situation of puppy farming becomes a an issue where people are just trying to make money without any care for um, the dogs involved and there might be all sorts of genetic problems, but it's just, you know that's just humans messing up the animal world again, unfortunately. And you know now you have to pay quite a lot as well for for dogs. I mean, um, again, they're still staring at me, but I hope they don't mind me saying that Olive was, you know, six hundred pounds, and Mabel was seven hundred and fifty. uh, mabel tells all of about that quite a bit but you know that sounds like a lot of money but it's nothing compared to what you pay for a a pedigree dog these days i mean labradors i think are slightly cheaper than but some region are paying two thousand pounds yeah it's it's um yeah and when money becomes involved when the money becomes good then obviously slightly devious and corrupt people are going to get involved and um yeah all sorts of issues and then as you say having a, a Uh, getting a rescue dog you've got to go into it with eyes wide open that there are going to be there may well be some issues Um, but if you're patient enough I can think of nothing more rewarding than actually rescuing a a dog from a a life that might have involved mistreatment or um, just rescuing a dog from a shelter and giving a dog a good home so yeah yeah, it's a wonderful thing to do it's sad that the situation is there that creates the need for that but it is a, a wonderful thing to do
0: yeah yeah, absolutely it is. Yeah. Um hopefully the world is moving on from from lockdowns
2: and and, and... Yeah, we're moving on to different things now, different challenges <laughs> in the world. We've moved on from lockdown to nuclear war. So <laughs> yes. um there we are.
0: Can we go yeah. back to lockdown please? Exactly.
2: and cons. <laughs> yes. Um,
0: yes. Uh, yes, we live in there's a, there's a, I think it's a um there's a curse, isn't there? Maybe may you
2: live Chinese, in Chinese an ancient hmm. Chinese curse, yeah. yeah, may you live in interesting times. Yeah, uh, we as certainly in. do. We don't want interesting times. I want very dull times, please. Yes, yes please. A some spice pre- of interest occasionally, but mm. generally quite stable and dull times would suit yes. me very very yes. nicely.
0: Some precedented. We want yeah. some precedented times, please. Yes, yeah, <laughs> same exactly. Same old, same old. <laughs> oh. um, so, I mean, do you have projects lined up for for you and Olive and, Ma- and uh, Mabel?
2: They're not really, no. I mean, I, I, again, I've had so much um, of my old job has come back that you, I... I mean, it was. It, I was going to say it was easy to make the videos when I had the time. It wasn't because it still involved a lot of thought and, and effort put into it. It really was quite full on. Mm. Um, that's why the videos only came out every two, three, four, five weeks or so. But it's, it's nigh on impossible when you have no time at all because, you know, from May through to the end of August, I pretty much don't have a day off. And then it gets a bit quieter now. Um, but also, I don't. I, I I've got this real. I'm torn because I, I I want to make videos if they're going to be good enough and they still, you know, make people laugh. But I don't want to be the guy who's seen to be. Oh, he's still doing that dog thing, Andrew. Oh God. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's you don't want to be seen to be dragging something out beyond its um beyond its shelf life and beyond when people really still want to see it. As long as I, I know that people still do at the moment. So if I come up with a good idea, then. I'll do something, but I'm also aware that it's, it, I I would love if the videos were very, very simple to do and they took no time at all. And a couple of them, um, you know, were very simple. The cat, the perfume parody and the, um, mm, canine, uh, that was, that was very simple because I just went and filmed on the beach in slow motion. It was rendered into black and white. I recorded a sort of breathy voiceover and a, you know, friend of mine, Tony, um, you know put it uh, put some of it together and we added a music track and everything and so but that was actually done quite easily mm. um likewise there was a sort of nature documentary parody where Mabel was sort of stalking Olive um and so you can do that uh quite simply but most of them take so much time that um it's oh, it's 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 pretty full-on and um I'd, I'd, I don't want to be the guy that people say he's still doing this. I mean, it's uh, time to let it go, Andrew, and <laughs> let the dogs be dogs. Which I, I get as well. But oh. um, yeah, it's a, it's um, it's a dilemma because I know that some people would, uh, lots of people would still love to see lots yes. of videos of them. So yeah, um, yeah, I'm, I'm certainly never saying never. If I if I, I think there will be more videos, but it might just be slightly different videos. I'm not sure uh, what. I'm certainly not going to go back to commentating on them.
0: Yeah, yeah. Did you enjoy uh, writing? And did did the dogs enjoy you writing? Because I know when I have write, used to be Buddy, now it's Mischief, would just lie on my feet or sit with me on the sofa. And they'd actually like the fact that you you've sat still, you're not going anywhere well
2: yeah they they like me sitting on the sofa with them there's no doubt about that I mean Oliver would quite like to have the sofa to herself mabel though likes to be on somebody on the sofa so um yeah they like that and generally speaking i'll be writing sitting on a, a the, the writing uh process for me um uh, intellectually is one thing but physically it's uh I, I, physically i hate writing because my back just i can i if I write both books of um I've scuppered my lower back i've got to get a standing desk or something oh, wow. um so yes yeah, just physically i don't know how how did dickens do it how did barbara cartland do it i think she dictated it while i a she's long or something yes it.
0: Yes. You maybe know, you it. yes i
2: should train yes. one of them train oliver mabel to i don't know write down what, what i dictate <laughs> Yeah, that would turn out pretty badly, I would imagine.
0: <laughs> they could have those buttons, you know, that they press for different words and you could, yeah. as long as you limit your um, <laughs> your vocabulary.
2: Yeah, but I would sit there for hours dictating to Olive and I would dictate this uh, this chapter and you get into some beautiful prose and you realise that you're right, you get into the flow of it and you're writing it beautifully and you're there for three or four hours and you get up and stretch after the session. You go over and see what she's written and it's just... I want food now. (laughs) That's all she's written, and you know, Well, I'd actually be quite impressed if she'd written that. So, um,
0: yeah. Well, she's got the priorities right, to be fair. Yeah, she has. (laughs) Bless her. Oh, um, will say the the name of the book again: "Dog Days: um, Life in Lockdown with Olive and Mabel."
2: Yeah, I mean that's the more recent one, which, and that one did. uh, So the first one, Olive, Mabel, and me. Was about about the, these two dogs, about the viral videos, about life with dogs. Uh, you know, in, in general, in Dog Days was uh, it is as someone said that's where I have gone dark in Dog Days because it, it follows the ups and downs, the highs and lows of of life and lockdown and a pandemic. It's more about life itself. You know, what we are doing as humans to get through modern life with dogs attached. Obviously, it's. You know it still features olive and Mabel to an enormous degree I actually really i mean i, I shouldn't say it i i don't I don't blow my own trumpet, but I really like dog days. I enjoyed writing as well it was it was more therapeutic to write than Olive, Mabel and me was because mm. it was uh, it was about the highs and lows of of lockdown and I think it's quite a good chronicle of that mm. of that time. We kind of forget very quickly about what it was like exactly you know just how strange it was yeah. um but i but i I like it
0: yeah. And I think that I think that's an important point, though, because you can only write really or create even what appeals to you, what you find funny, yes. moving on. You know, and, yeah. that's, and and you hope then that that will resonate uh, yes. with, other with three or
2: four other people <laughs> who think in the same strange, dark way that you do. Yes. Oh, dear. Yeah, dear, yeah. my family bought it. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. Look, I know lots of people that are very jealous of me sitting here right now talking to you. So you know, there's there's people out there's it's not time yet to uh, hang up the camera. Um, no. No, definitely not. It's been great fun talking to you. Is there anything else you'd like to say?
2: Um, no, I just, well, I, whenever I talk to um, anybody who has an interest in Olive and Mabel, and also by extension the listeners who might have an interest in Olive and Mabel and like the videos, or you know, I, I just feel like I'm saying thank you because it's, I mean, part of the reason I sort of kept it going was because of all the positive messages coming back. And there, there's so much negativity in the world at the moment and I have been and I still am I will continue to be quite a negative person in so many ways but the positivity and the the, the nice messages coming back throughout the whole thing has been really sort of heartwarming and um, actually lets you believe for a moment that the human race might not be doomed after all but um, not doomed only if we can carry on through life with our with our dogs so to anyone who loves Olive and Mabel um, and has loved them uh, as I do then thank you very much.
0: There are many of us who love Oliver and Mabel's adventures, and I thoroughly enjoyed talking with them all. Though, in fairness, I have to say thank you to Andrew for doing most of the talking on Oliver and Mabel's behalf. The best place to find out more about Andrew, Oliver, and Mabel is on Twitter at Mr. Andrew Cotter, where you can see all the videos as well as some very cute photos of Oliver and Mabel. And we have a link to that account on the Dogcast Radio site. You're listening to Dogcast Radio on www.dogcastradio.com. Acclaimed photographer Olivia Pritchard is using her new fine art coffee table book, Mutt's, which came out last month, to help animal rescues and inspire more people to adopt these lovely crossbreeds. Mutt's is a photographic celebration of mystery mixed breeds, featuring over 100 dogs from different origins and breeds. When Olivia and I connected via a video call, initially we had trouble hearing each other. And then, when we finally established contact, I introduced and greeted her at an inopportune moment. Hi, Olivia. Sorry, I just hi. <laughs> just as <laughs> that, as you took a sip, a sip of coffee. There you go. <laughs> oh dear, we've had gremlins, haven't we? Today we've had technological gremlins. So we're, we're lucky we're connected. Um, but there you go. So we're going to talk about your your dog. And mutts in general, we're going to talk. Um, so, your 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 book, mutts, which celebrates mutts, is coming out just in time for National Dog Week and a Shelter Dog Month. So, it's it's fantastic. Love love the idea. What inspired the book?
1: So, I've always had mutts. My family has always had mutts uh, my whole life, and so for us, they're kind of the the first choice as opposed to. Thinking, Oh, I want a dog. Let me think about what breed I want. You know, for us, it was always, let's go to the shelter and see what's there. And so when I did some research and saw there are some beautiful portrait photography books of dogs out there, but they are either mixed with purebred and mutts and the mutt just made it in because it was really striking or they're only purebred dogs. There was nothing celebrating mutts for what they are um, and only mutts. And so I thought that that was where I could kind of add to this existing body of work that's out there, um, specifically tied to mystery mixed breed dogs.
0: Yeah, yeah. And
1: I mean, you get beautiful dogs who are
0: very, very mixed, you know, genetically. Absolutely. Yeah. And the thing is, they're kind of unique, many of them aren't because you? you couldn't go and get another one like that. It's just Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. They're unexpected. You don't know, you know, what genes are going to express. You often don't know who the parents were. And um, my dog is gorgeous, my mutt that I have yeah. and is really, really striking everywhere I go with him. people ask me what kind of dog he is and they're surprised that he's a mutt. And I'm like, You can get literally any kind of dog you want from a shelter.
0: Oh, so what does your dog look like?
1: (laughs) So he has kind of, he's laying down at the end of the hallway, but he's kind of an old man now. So he doesn't listen to anything um, (laughs) that I say unless he feels like it. So he looks like a St. Bernard retriever, German shepherd kind of mix. He's a really big boy and, um, He's got like a white streak down his nose with black mask on either side. And then his coat is kind of a reddish golden color. And he's got that kind of slope to his back hindquarters and tail that German shepherds have. Um, but he's got the big blockiness of a of a really big dog like a Saint Bernard or something like that. So he's he's really, really interesting and unique.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, he sounds gorgeous. Oh, I bet he's lovely to to if he likes Cuddle, you know, he's lovely to.
1: He's not like a super snuggler. Yeah, it's more like a cat. Like it's on his terms. <laughs> yes. um, but he's very lovely to hang out on the sofa with because yeah. he will just lay around for oh. as long as you want to.
0: <laughs> lovely. He sounds wonderful. um And I know as well. <laughs>
1: he's, he's, he, I think he knows that I'm talking about oh, him because he came up the hallway. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Did you want me? <laughs> Do you know, I wave to
0: dogs. I also put my thumb up to dogs because with our dogs, we say, um, you know, good dog. And we do a thumb up as well. Uh-huh. Uh, it started with Buddy because um, very early on, Buddy was only three or four. And um, uh, Stanley Corrin actually said to me, use use uh, signals and signals with your dog mm-hmm. because in yeah. case they go deaf. And I just thought, and it broke my heart. To think, if he went deaf and I could never say good dog again. And so that right. was it. That was the thing that made me think, yeah, OK, so we did good dog was our first signal. And I find myself putting my thumb up to strange dogs who to yeah. for whom that signal. Like has, they know, no, yes, you idiot. They don't know that. It's got no context for them. <laughs> but I mean, well, you know, it's a reflex now. Yes, it is. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, and um, your your sister's dog is in the book, isn't she?
1: So tell me about her. She is. And so is Jasper. They both are in the book. Um, Her dog, Rue, they were actually adopted on the same day because I went to the shelter with her. She was wanting to get a black dog because black dogs are so often overlooked in shelters.
0: Yeah.
1: So she went to the shelter to get Rue and I saw Jasper and he was just so beautiful and striking and huge. I've always loved a giant dog And he, um, was close to the euthanasia list, um, because there's just so many unwanted pets in the United States. I don't know how bad it is in the UK, but it's really bad here. And so, um, so I took him home and he, you know, not even really knowing, am I going to keep him or find another home for him? I just couldn't imagine him being put down. And he was only 10 months at the time, but really, really big and lanky. He was already like 85 pounds, which is, I guess, like 40 kilos somewhere on there and really underweight because he'd been on the street for a long time before he'd gotten picked up. And so nobody was going to adopt him. It was the middle of the recession. I mean, you know, big dogs are expensive um, just in terms of food and medication. And so... I took him and he, he's my soulmate dog. Like it was just meant to be. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, on top of all that, 10 months is a tough time or it can be a tough time. It's of adolescence from what you've said, he was on the streets, but many dogs find themselves in shelter. Maybe that's why he was on the streets. Many dogs find themselves in shelters at a time, don't they?
1: Maybe before when he was picked up, I think a family had been feeding them, feeding him in their backyard kind of for a few days and was like, look, he's not leaving and we can't keep doing this. And so that's how he got um, brought into the shelter. But I think also, you know, he probably was a super cute little puppy and then just got enormous and 10 months, you know, when I got him, he really the only sort of thing that screamed puppy about him was that he would lose his mind over squirrels. (laughs) He just, he was so good. He, he has always wanted to please. And, you know, he, he legitimately is grateful that he has this life and that, that I rescued him. And so he's always wanted to please. He's always been so good, but it was the squirrels that just, he just couldn't he couldn't get past it. Now he just like glances at them cause he's 11. Yeah. But when I first got him, that was the only thing he very immediately learned, um, to be house trained. He immediately was crate trained. Everything was very easy with him. Mm-hmm. And I credit a lot of that, you know, he would kind of run around and stuff. I remember one time kind of like, yelling at him to stop banging into stuff. And my mom was like, don't yell at him. Imagine how hard it would be to be a puppy trapped in that giant body. And I was like, okay, that's a, that's a fair point. You know, <laughs> I mean, talk about gangly teenager. I, he really, really was. So I really feel like I didn't get that tough puppy stage where they're chewing on everything and they're you know, not listening to you and they're going to the bathroom in the house. We kind of sailed through that, uh, which I really think a lot of it was that he was so devoted and so wanted to please. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's lovely to hear that. Because sometimes when you adopt a dog, I think that's that's quite important to say that when you I mean, when you have a puppy, but when, when you adopt an older dog, Sometimes it's not plain sailing. Sometimes it is. And sometimes, you know, it, it's not, not necessarily that they're, they're a nasty dog. I don't mean that, but just because they may have had difficult experiences and because they've been in kennels for a while and all those things. Sometimes it's going to take them a while to settle in and, and, and become their, their true
1: self kind of thing. Yeah. Jasper actually bit me on the first day that I had him home. And I mean, he is an enormous, he's now, um, 50 kilos, 55 kilos. And so I had a pug also at the time who was a gift. And, um, I had him for years before I got Jasper and he wasn't really necessarily, upset that there was another dog in the house, but he did, he jumped on my lap the first morning and, and Jasper lunged and I stuck my arm out in the, in between them. Mm. And so he bit me, it didn't, it may, maybe drew a little bit of blood. Um, but he realized what he was doing enough to pull back really quickly. And then he immediately retreated to the corner. So he knew that he made a mistake. Yes. And um, so what we did to manage that behavior was at the time I had housemates. And so I asked them to feed him for a while and one of them to like occasionally walk him around the block or something so that his resources were spread yeah. And he wasn't seeing everything is coming from me and that he needed to compete with Gus, my pug, for these resources. And so that calmed him down and it was a while cuz you know pugs are are kind of um they're exceptionally food driven, yeah. and so it was time, right? Me too. <laughs> it was a long time before I could feed them together without like really close supervision. Um, but eventually, Gus learned that Jasper's food bowl was off limits, and Jasper learned that he could snarl at gus he didn't have to like immediately lash out gus also was really dramatic so anytime there was an altercation he would scream bloody murder (laughs) and uh, it's just very very pug-like and so jasper very quickly like fit in but it, it was a little bit of a rocky start and something to work through and I think a lot of people would have immediately returned him and maybe if I had a kid or something at the time, I would have been nervous. But for me, it was just, oh, okay. I know exactly what was the motivation for this behavior. I know it's not aggression because he immediately retreated. And I know that this is something we can manage and it's completely understandable why he would do it. And so if I had taken him back the next day, you know, I would have totally missed out on so far 11 year, 10 years of, of having the best dog in the world. Yeah. So I think it's important to know that. And when I was shooting the book, I'll say a lot of people have asked me like, what did you learn about dogs? And I was like, well, you know, I feel like I've always been really interested in dogs and read lots of books about them and been around them my whole life. And I photograph them for clients now so I don't know that I really learned so much about rescue dogs. I learned a lot about their rescuers, about their humans. Hmm. And so hearing just in the, in a session, we'd just be chatting about the dog and, you know, people can talk about their dogs forever. And so obviously I am. And so, um, so it was great to hear like, you know, this dog had major separation anxiety. So we, had worked through it. And we started with literally five seconds of separation to work up to being able to leave the house for an hour, two hours at a time, and then eventually for the day to go to work. And just the level of dedication that that took and patience and um, true desire to get close to this dog and bring him into your family and accept him at, for exactly who he is and help him work through to become a confident, good, happy animal. I just was so inspired by some of those stories.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I know you, you say that,
0: you know, when you rescue a dog, obviously you're rescuing, you're rescuing that dog, you're saving its life, but often they can sort of change and save your life, can't they?
1: I think so for sure. In the back of the book is actually a story exactly of that of Duke and Jack. Duke is, I think, um, an, uh, either black lab or black lab mix. He was a rescue, but he does look very much like a, like a black lab. And then, um, his human dad is 93 and they go to the park, to Audubon park here in new Orleans. And they run, um, drills training, like retrieving drills, which Duke is so talented with, and he absolutely loves it. And it's, exercise for the both of them and it's also just such a a connection because you know he his son lives close to him but you know he doesn't he doesn't necessarily have someone in his house with him all the time yeah. and to have duke be you know so devoted and have that bond and connection between the two of them is just so special, and you know his son, um, the human's son, <laughs> Jack's son, yes. said that they really saved each other. So obviously, you know they they rescued and saved Duke, but he says Duke really saved his dad.
0: Oh, that's that's wonderful. That's lovely. I mean, we, we've talked a little bit, but. So many dogs find themselves in a rescue and there just aren't the the homes for them. And and the statistics are horrific, aren't they, about euthanasia?
1: Yeah, it's really rough. I don't know um, about the UK, but here in the US, I think it's 600,000 dogs, not even cats, just dogs, are euthanized a year. And I mean, I understand our country is enormous, but... Really, I mean, that's over half a million unwanted pets. And the frustrating thing for anyone who cares about animal welfare is that the solutions are very simple. Um, spaying and neutering yeah, and stopping backyard breeders and people who are either allowing their dogs to have accidental litters Um, So it's a combination of like educating the public about why it's important, because sometimes it's a cultural thing. Sometimes, you know, they didn't grow up with dogs that were spayed and neutered and they don't understand why you would do that. Um, So part of it is education and about how this is what's stopping so many animals from being killed. But also it's healthier for the for the pet and um, certainly a lot less trouble um, for the owner. Yeah. But then. Also, like putting laws into place and then enforcing them to keep people who are not approved breeders from breeding. So I think there should be an incredibly strict and expensive process to go through to be able to breed an animal. There should be regular inspections of facilities. There should be regular inspections of the quality of the dogs being bred, because I do believe that breeding to a standard is a beautiful thing. I think that I love to watch dog shows. I think that breeds are incredible, but I think that there needs to be so much more oversight and in the United States where it's extremely, you know, the States are going to decide that. And most of the States are not going to insert themselves into that debate. It's just really frustrating because that's what is leading to this proliferation of pit bulls in the South and, you know, terrier mixes. Cause somebody's like, Oh, it's a ter- I had so many terrier mixes apply to be in the book. And cause they're just running around. They're yeah. just accidentally getting pregnant. Yeah, And um, it's such a, it's such an easy solution. If we could just get there. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I absolutely agree. And I think good breeders, you know, I've said this before, good breeders, we need them, you know, but mm-hmm. to me, a good breeder breeds for the love of the dog, for the love exactly. of
1: the breed, not for the love of the money, you know? You're not going to get rich doing it if no. you're doing it with the dog's welfare in mind, because absolutely. the dog's welfare is very expensive. Yes. So if you're doing it to make money, then that is the first signal to me that you're not a legitimate breeder. Yep. You're not doing it for love of the breed. You're not doing it to, to continue, um, a, you know, amazing bloodline you're doing it to, because you think you want to make money and that's where you get into trouble with people not providing vet care. Yep. That's where you get into trouble with these like huge hoarder backyard breeders that have these, awful conditions for their animals and every time there's like a bust of one of these places that's like a hundred animals that all of a sudden need to be placed and they're not socialized and they've been in a tiny cage their whole lives it's infuriating because there's often no consequences for the person that did that
0: yeah yeah no absolutely it's um it's not on and we do if you know i think the thing is there's breeders and there's greeders and, you know, yeah. it's the That's breeders. A beautiful way to put it. Yeah, yeah. It's it's the, the love of money. I think in many, many fields, not just in, in dog breeding, but it, the love of money, if that outweighs the love of the the dream, if you like, mm-hmm. um you, you get problems and it's it's awful. And it's the dogs
1: who pay every time. Exactly. Yeah,
0: yeah. Tell me about butters. Oh butters.
1: Gosh, I love that dog. I swear, every time I look at her picture, I'm just like, oh, if she had come in as a foster I think I would have taken her home that day and my husband would have been furious but she was the pit mix and we love pit mixes in our house so he would have he would have gotten on board (laughs) um but she something about her eyes and her spirit you know it's not often that I connect with a dog with the feeling that I have for Jasper where it's like just this cosmic connection you know and with her i felt like i had that immediately she had this tiny little scrawny body and this giant head and they were slowly trying to put weight back on her cuz she was a, she was found you know on the streets and she was incredibly skinny and a vet tech at the vet that the good samaritan dropped her off at ended up adopting her and so that's great cuz she's getting really good care from a professional They're slowly putting weight back on her, but she's still very small. Like her frame is just tiny and something about that combo of this tiny body with this big blocky head. And then her eyes just look like they're just looking into your soul. And she was so calm and quiet and just patient. And she was a really, really special dog and a special session. And I just Really wanted to take her home.
0: <laughs> oh, it is strange, isn't it? How you just like you do with some people, you connect with some people. Mm-hmm. I think that yep. you, some dogs you just connect with and I love all dogs. Don't get me wrong, but just in case right. you meet one, and you go, Oh, I could take you home.
1: Yeah. This is a special dog for me. Yeah. Yeah. It's the same because obviously I love every dog that came into the studio for the book. Obviously I loved working with every dog. There were some really funny ones, some really adorable ones, some really like just crazy looking dogs some very sweet and smart and impressive dogs but it was butters who was the one that i was like i really want to take this dog home
0: yeah oh (laughs) it's a good job really they all appeal you know different dogs appeal to us because Mm -hmm. i always think there's a there's a dog for everybody whatever you want to do whether you want to join a companion you want to sit on the sofa exactly yeah Yeah. you want to spend your days you know doing their hair there's a dog for you exactly (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I know you you sort of you want to raise money for for shelters, don't you as well?
1: Yeah, so um initially to help fund the book, we did a Kickstarter campaign hmm. and so part of the, those donations went to three of the local um rescues and shelters that were really great and supportive about the book. You know, um, initially I reached out to a lot of them with the online form for people to apply to put their dog in the book. And because I wanted to get as much variety as I could. And so some of them didn't respond at all. Some of them were great. And they were like, oh, we love this project. And they sent it out to all of their dog owners. And so sent me some really amazing dogs or if I saw a new dog like on their Instagram that came in and I was like, oh, I don't have a dog that looks like that in the book. Can can their foster bring her to me for, for a picture? And so they were just really responsive. And that was um, Take Paws, Animal Rescue, New Orleans, and then the Louisiana SPCA, which is the Society for Prevention of Cruelty to Animals. And so um those are the three that we donated to from some of the Kickstarter donations. and then each event that I do, each author signing or author event, I'm trying to also bring in if the the bookshop or or the venue is open to it to bring in some puppies or dogs available for adoption so we can kind of have a little adoption event simultaneously. Well, what
0: a great idea.
1: It's really fun and you know, I mean, who. E- <laughs> Who doesn't want to like look at puppies, you know, and, um, and, and sweet, sweet dogs. And so uh, we did one already, which was really fun and we have a bunch coming up as the book is close to being released and um, through the holiday season. And so it's really nice because Um, one of the rescues is actually throwing a book launch party. They've got some of their like vendors and partners in the city to donate, you know, space and drinks. And so I'm donating whatever books are sold at that event, at that signing event, I'm donating a portion of those proceeds to that shelter. So there are just a lot of ways that or a lot of creative ways, I guess, is a good way to unexpected and creative ways that you can tie in. So you know, hopefully, we're helping them with money, but hopefully, we're also you know getting some exposure for the animals that are up for adoption and and hopefully finding some forever homes at the same time.
0: Yeah. Oh, wonderful, wonderful. I love it. That that sounds great. It's really really great. And and you've you've mentioned already. You, you you're passionate about sort of the spay and neuter message. Um. Mm-hmm and that is a really really important message how how you know what are your thoughts on getting that across to more people then
1: well you know i think a great solution that i've read a few articles about different places in the us that have tried it are mobile spay and neuter clinics like mobile vans hmm. where they're spaying and neutering you know they've set up the interior of the van to be an or and they're spaying and neutering in communities so I think a lot of it is is access and uh, people not necessarily wanting to spend money on that surgery. So if we can get mobile vans or at least mobile situations where we can go into communities that maybe wouldn't necessarily be spaying and neutering their pets, I think meeting people where they are is a really, really good approach. Um, I did some volunteering at the cheetah conservation fund in Namibia oh. and, uh, one of their, their issues also is, um, unwanted pets and, you know, stray dogs and rabies is also an issue there. So, um, the vet at the, at the CCF actually had a program where she was going into communities and for a day she would do animal vaccinations, she would do pet vaccinations, um, so it's like a mobile vaccination clinic, but then also um, that spaying and neutering. So I think if, if we can get, cause there's so many unvaccinated animals wandering around as well, and that's where we get Parvo and all these other issues. So I think if we could make it um, free or at least really, really cost, not so cost prohibitive mm-hmm. for people, and then also um, meeting people where they are making it. Not something that they have to take off work for, or that they have to, you know, necessarily load, like find a vehicle and load their pet in the car and go to a vet and make an appointment. You know, a lot of that is is a lot for for some people. Um, so I think that's that would be a really really good start to yeah. solving the problem.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think sometimes with with social media being so ubiquitous now, it's everywhere. That if we could make it aspirational, you know, if we could make it that you can do a post like say, look you know, I I spayed or neutered my dog and sort of celebrate the anniversary of that every year, you know, something like that. We need to make it aspirational.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I actually, I think that could be fun, Um, especially if you got some influencers who were doing it with their dogs. That could be really an interesting sort of marketing campaign. Mm, I I shall look into that. Oh, I think I'm going to make a note. (laughs) That's a great idea. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay. See, while while we, I'll check back on my calendar and see when Jasper got neutered, and
0: then I'll
1: I'll be your first.
0: Great. We'll have to come up with a good
1: hashtag. We have to. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Um, So, have you always liked taking photographs of dogs?
1: Yeah. So children and dogs have always been my passion. Even when I was working, you know, overseas in more of a, of a documentary journalism job, I was always just drawn to the kids wherever we were um, and the stray dogs wherever we were. Um, I mostly worked in Africa. And so uh, there were often stray dogs around in the refugee camps and in the villages. And so that has always been my favorite thing. I find that I have infinite patience for children and animals and not so much for grownups. So (laughs) that's always been my favorite thing to photograph. And also at the same time, I'm not, you know, landscapes. I can appreciate an amazing landscape portrait um, and photograph, but I, it doesn't make me excited to create them. So I think it's important to stick with what makes you happy and what you don't get tired of. Mm-hmm. And I've never gotten tired of kids and pets. <laughs> they
0: say never work with them, don't they? Never, never work with
1: They do. Those yeah. are the two things that they warn you against, but yeah. that they're my sweet spot.
0: <laughs> because you were a United Nations photographer, weren't you? So obviously, as you say, um, landscapes can be beautiful, but it's the human side of things that if that you know is what mm-hmm. attracts you, you must have seen I mean, wonderful and, and awful things, mustn't you, in it as a united States?
1: Yes, Nation? definitely. Um but I find that there's there's always children who are hopeful. There's always uh children who are I think what really, really appeals to me about children and dogs is that they're really great about living in the moment. Yes. So They're very present. Um, and they're great at finding joy in the moment, which I think is something that we lose as we get older and we start comparing ourselves and our lives to other people. And, and, you know, they say comparison is the thief of joy. And, you know, when you are a little kid, you don't care if you're bored, you go out and, you know, outside and find a ladybug and Hang out with it for 30 minutes, you know, like, yeah, I think that that is something really special and, and charming and appealing about kids and about dogs is that they're able to live in the moment and they're a really good lesson for us. I think in being more mindful and more present and more, um, having more gratitude for, for where we are at any given moment.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and focusing on what you've got, what there is rather than you know, right,
1: yeah, right. And right, and being grateful for for the life that you have and and being able to look to the positive and let go of the past. I think those are all things that adults struggle with that uh children and dogs seem really really good at.
0: Yes, yeah. And I think as well, they're they're not afraid to show their emotions. It's you know, mm-hmm. I think this morning I I'd got mischief, our, our dog Jenny's dog, my daughter's dog in my arms, and I sort of said, "Come on, go to mummy. And she was like, "Yeah." And it's sort of off with me, off with the old, on with the She's yeah, she's back with Jenny, or you know, whatever it is she wants, whoever it is she wants to do something. She's got no inhibition at all of going. I don't want you actually. I want you to do it. You know? mm-hmm. And I love that because. It makes it when they do pick you, it's more special. But I love that honesty. You never have to say to a dog, mm-hmm. do you like me? Because you know, don't right.
1: you? <laughs> right. And I also feel like uh, same with children, with younger children and with dogs, that love is really unconditional. They will forgive you for so much. Their capacity to forgive is really, really amazing. So I think that's also something, you know, adults tend to really like hold on to things and it's something that I think most of us struggle with. And um, it's the same. I say that I don't mean any offense to anybody who doesn't have dogs and has kids, but like two-year-olds and dogs are really similar in a lot of ways. And I have a two-year-old and a dog, so and I work with two-year-olds and dogs. So I feel like I have some authority here (laughs) to say that but my two-year-old's the same way. She's, if she wants mommy, then that's who she asks for. And if she doesn't want mommy, she's like, no, go away, mommy. I want daddy. Yes, And you know, it's, it's, it's honest and it's open and I know it'll be my turn again. I'm not offended or worried about it. And, you know, dogs are, are really the same way. Like um, when we go out for a family walk, if we split up or if, you know, my husband lags behind with our two year old who wants to stop and look at a butterfly for 30 minutes, then Jasper won't, he, I know he wants to continue the walk, but he won't leave her. He's, he, he will stand there and stare you down until you catch up. And so I do think it's really, really interesting how they're able to express themselves without language, but it's very clear what they want. And need and expect and it's very clear that they love you it's it's an unconditional special kind of love yeah
0: yeah i absolutely agree totally agree and i think they all have their own style of communication mischiefs she sort of gets in front of you and she sits up in a begging position and then she'll sort of wave her we call it tippy toes she's sort of up and down with her front paws Uh it's almost like a beg but extra and then she'll take you to where she wants to go or you know, you, you actually but you can say to her, Do you want a toilet or do you want food? What is it? And she'll normally respond, you know, physically move to the one that she wants. But I remember Buddy would sort of sort of do his follow me, follow me and into the kitchen and he would flick his eyes from you biscuit tin. From you, biscuit tin. It was
1: always like that, that he was so sorry. like, Excuse me. Yeah. How have you not clued in yet? <laughs> yes. You know what I want. <laughs> Mind you, I have
0: days like that. Biscuit tin, please. Biscuit tin. <laughs> mm-hmm. oh, it's It's been lovely hearing about the book. And I'm so glad you had such a good experience creating the book. Is there anything else that you'd like to say?
1: Well, uh, the book will be available September 20th um, in the UK. I know you can order it from Amazon. I imagine also some of the other bigger retailers like bookshop.org, which supports local bookstores and um, Barnes and Noble, all of those places will have it available for purchase on September 20th. And it's such a joyful book. Like if you can make it through and not smile, I'll buy it back from you. (laughs) It is a joyful, happy, funny book. And it's a great gift for the holidays, or a birthday, or a housewarming, but it's also a great gift for somebody who needs a pick me up. Because I think, you know, as we all have become, the dialogue has opened up about mental illness and and anxiety and awareness. This is really a, a great lift me up gift for somebody who um, who needs a little bit of cheer in their lives. So, even if they don't like dogs, it's still beautiful photography but it's also the little dog stories and the little comments that accompany each one are, are really unique and funny
0: yeah love oh, lovely and we all need a cheer at the moment goodness knows everything right? going on right <laughs> oh, yeah absolutely absolutely
1: and where can people find out more about you online so my website is oliviagraypritchard.com it's gray the british way with an e and then pritchard with a t so oliviagrayprichard.com and there's also a link there um, where you can order mutts and if you want to order it from outside of the US, I'll absolutely ship it directly to you if you want to order it from the link on the website, um, just make a little note and I'll get in touch with you and we'll work it out to where we can get it to you wherever you are but there's also some background info about me and then that's my my studio website as well so there's a, a lot about you know running my portrait studio in new orleans but all that info is all at Olivia
0: olivia's doing a great job championing mutts and rescue dogs and i'm glad we overcame the technological difficulties and got to talk to each other We have a link to oliviagraypritchard.com at dogcastradio.com. And if you have an interesting mixed breed dog, send us a photo and tell us about them and we'll share them with everyone else. There's a news story I really want to share with you about a real life fox and the hound story. Lola, a one-year-old rescue beagle from Stockport, UK, who had only been in her new home for a few weeks, was frightened by a loud noise and ran off. After some sightings, feeding stations were set up to attract Lola with CCTV set up to monitor them. The cameras did capture footage of Lola, but they also filmed a fox she had made friends with and who actually guarded her while she slept. Lola was caught and is now happily back at home. And the fox? Well, we can only imagine what adventures they're up to and hope they're safe and happy, but it just shows that friendship can develop between the most unlikely people. And yes, I did just refer to a dog and a fox as people. And if you've got a problem with that, well, I imagine you wouldn't still be listening at this point if you had a problem with that. <laughs> and this point is almost all there is. So until next time, look after yourselves and your dogs. Thanks for listening to Dogcast Radio, available from www.dogcastradio. That's D-O-G-C-A-S-T radio.com. If you'd like to get in touch with us, and wherever you are in the world, we'd love to hear from you. You can do so in a variety of ways. You can contact us on Skype with the ident DogCastRadio. That's all one word, DogCastRadio. By email, you can contact me on julie at dogcastradio.com. When contacting us by email, if you have the facilities, please record your questions or comments and send them to us as an audio file. That way we can include them directly in our programme. We can accept most formats, for example, WAV MP3. All these methods of contacting us can be found on our website, which is www.dogcastradio.com. And as ever, the final word goes to Jenny. In the spirit of reduce, reuse, recycle, here's a joke we've used before. Why did the dog sleep on the chandelier?
2: He was the light sleeper.